0: Welcome to Rooted and Robust Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rooted and Robust Podcast, the show that seeks to inform, educate, and inspire you to cultivate and develop the skills you need to achieve success. Yes. I am back again today with an amazing episode for you, like always. My name is Ozema Anyoji, and I am not alone on the show today. I always have a guest. I always have a guest today. We have a special guest joining us to shed light on the topic that has become increasingly relevant in recent years. I am talking about the gig economy. So today, we're going to look at navigating the gig economy now somebody is probably wondering what is the gig economy what is the gig economy um i'm thinking should i leave that to our guest to answer or should i do justice to that Mm, well (laughs) anyway for anyone wondering the gig economy is a labor market that is characterized by prevalence of short-term contracts or what we call freelance work you know, as opposed to the permanent jobs and all of that. So I'm sure you know what gig economy is now. All right. So whether you are a freelancer, independent contractor, or considering taking the leap into the gig work, this is the episode for you. So our guest, this is his field. And with his world of experience in finding work and building client base, get ready to gain valuable insights and practical advice on how to thrive in the gig economy i am excited about this episode and please guys join me and welcome ajayi olakule olale Kwon. i should not be doing this <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's fine that's
0: fine <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on the show today
2: I'm, I'm happy to be here, Zoma. And this happens to be one of the topics that actually gets me thrilled. This is, this is my field. This is my life. Yes. I, I call it my life because whatever it is that has happened to me in the last two, three years, the gig economy made them happen. Every other thing that, that you know, that followed mm. started with the gig economy. So this is my life. This is
0: uh-huh.
2: this is where I make a living. This is where, I mean, this is just everything about me.
0: Oh, why am I super excited? We are about to glean from the master himself. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, before we get down to business, right? Now, this topic is probably divided into the navigating the gig economy and building a client base. I mean, there's no how you can make it in the gig economy if you don't build a client base. So, but then before we get down to business, um, just a big intro about you. Um, you've given us um, an intro by telling us that the gig economy is where you operate. But I know that beyond that, there are other amazing things that you do. And of course, other amazing projects you've worked on. So let's get to meet Ajayi. Let's get to meet you.
2: So my name is Ajayi Ola Studied mass communication, first degree and at the master's level. I was hoping, and I'm still hoping, someday i'm going to actually you know be a lecturer mm, wow. so that explains all the academic pursuit and all that so someday i might, I just will be taking my phd and then just do a few years in the lecturing you know in the lecturing job mm-hmm. so but so far so good i presently am a business coach and consultant And my niche is actually freelancing or the gig economy. You know, I started out business coaching generally, but ultimately I niched down, narrowed down into teaching people just how to start out as a freelancer because much of my success in business actually emerged from freelancing. Of course, I have other businesses right now aside from freelancing, but that's like the bedrock of every other thing that sprang Mm -hmm. up afterwards so Mm -hmm. i i sometimes call myself a content creator too you know because i do a whole lot of content creation on several other platforms whether it's textual i'm on medium i have a blog i write every day i write every week on my medium and uh, of course on my personal blog on my website Mm -hmm. i have a youtube channel i create video content i also have a podcast too so i create audio content too so, if you want to call me a content creator, that still works. That that also works.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I have an organization called Imagine Africa. And one of the things we do in the organization is to inspire Africans to leverage on technology and personal development to be whatever it is they want to be. You know, I often tell people that we've come to a place or we have come to a time, you know, in the world where it is, Difficult. I mean, people do it, but I, I say, an African has no excuse. You know, even though we no. live in the third world, people don't like to say, but we live in the third world based on our development level, yep. and a lot of things are just naturally designed to work against us. Mm-hmm. The lack of infrastructures, the poor education, and all of that. But with the internet and technology on our palm i mean almost every young person has a mobile phone an android mobile phone or even the iphone yeah there is a lot you can do with just your mobile phone
1: Mm -hmm. i mean
2: i'm going to start by saying when i started freelancing i did not get a personal computer a laptop until i would spent close to two years as a freelancer and i had made nothing less than at least five million naira as a freelancer using my mobile device. And in case you think my mobile device was a very sophisticated one, it was actually a Techno Provo 4
1: that
2: I bought around, was it 50,000 or 55,000 in 2020, all right? I used that for close to two years before I finally got a laptop. And that was not because I could not afford the laptop, but I just, I've always been somebody who could get almost anything done on my mobile phone. I do, even till today, with the laptop i sparingly use the laptop i probably use it maybe 3 to 5% mm. i use my phone to do 95% of everything i do whether it's canva um powerpoint design whether it is um pdf design whether it is graphic design everything okay. happens on my mobile device so the point is we have come to a time where nobody has an excuse
1: yeah
2: why you actually can't compete fairly and i say with the te- with technology and with the internet A person in some country in Rwanda, some country in Nigeria, can compete fairly with somebody in America to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And you will still be able to leverage on certain opportunities. And freelancing actually exposes, you know, makes that clear to you. The freelancing world is filled with people from across the globe. Mm -hmm. Africans, Europeans, Asians, you know, everybody from all over the world. And there are a lot of Africans doing so well for themselves in the gig economy mm-hmm. so this is what i stand for this is why i campaign about this is what image africa is you know is about and i feel like maybe i should just stop here this is me in summary i i have a lot to say but let's just <laughs> let's wrap it up with that this is me in summary
0: oh wow it's good to have you thank you for being here thank you I am curious from mass communication to freelancing what inspired you <laughs> I'm just curious I wanted
2: badly to practice and I you know started practicing I was in the industry I worked as a as an owner personality okay. for a few years um so at some point it was 2018 I had to sit myself down and ask myself where is the world going to where where is the world you know heading towards and how can i best position myself you know with the trends and be relevant so for me i discovered that a lot was happening in the new media space you know on social media on the internet of course a lot was also happening in the traditional broadcasting industry where i was and i was really enjoying my work as a radio presenter I had so many accolades from people who actually loved what I what I did or what I do. Yeah. But I, I felt like the world was tilting towards the new media. Even traditional broadcasting was beginning to see the relevance of the new media. For example, mm-hmm. TV stations and radio stations now leverage on Twitter, leverage on WhatsApp True. to True. communicate with mm-hmm. their audience, you know, to for question asking and all that. Even TV stations have YouTube channels now yeah. where they put short clips of their programs, their Facebook accounts, where they put short clips of their programs, you know, so there's like a convergence of all the media forms together, you know, in our present day. But I just thought if the world is, if a lot is happening in the new media, I, I felt like I was going to be much more relevant in the new media space than to stay in the traditional broadcasting industry. So I decided that I was going to pivot. I was going to switch, you know, from the traditional media to the new media. Completely. I wasn't ready to combine it. So I wow. just wanted to <laughs> switch to the so I went all out. Mm-hmm. So in 2020 and 2019, I began to learn digital marketing. I took a course. I started with the foundation. I can't remember what it is now. It's a Google certificate program. Mm-hmm. I started with that. And after getting the foundation, of course, digital marketing is broad, it's very broad. Yeah. So I decided that I was going to pick one of the subsections and for me it was actually content marketing because I write one of the things I love to do is to also talk. So basically I had the foundation for somebody who I have the the, the gift things for somebody who can actually you know grow in content marketing. So for me I just went straight into content development. So from 2019 up until now it's just been me trying to develop myself trying to grow in the new media space you know trying to hone my whole corner and build authority and expertise in this aspect of digital marketing.
1: Mm.
0: So,
2: that's the genesis. <laughs>
0: that is where you all started. <laughs> awesome. Now, there is something that you mentioned um, that is very striking, and that is where I want us to begin the conversation today. You said when you wanted to start out, uh, you took some courses, and then, um, I mean, you took some foundational courses, and you grew from there. Now, for someone who is just starting out, what would be your advice, or what are some of the first things someone starting out in in the gig economy, in the freelancing um, world? What would be some of the advice you would say to this person? Start from here, do this first, and and all of that.
2: All right, uh, you, you know, I still had this discussion with someone yesterday, who said she was interested in social media management. So basically, if you asked me to summarize into three steps, what it takes to succeed in the gig economy or in the freelancing space. I'm going to say these three. Then by the time I'm done with that, I will now go back to, you know, what to answering your question. So there okay. are three things that are important. If you want to succeed in the gig, economy. the first one, you need a skill. All right. Yeah. Yep. Because in the gig economy space, what you sell is your skill and your service.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you 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 you're expected to create value for your clients. So the first and the most important thing is the skill. What exactly are you bringing to the market? Yeah. That's the first one.
1: Uh-huh. The
2: second thing you will need is a solid portfolio.
1: Uh-huh. All right, uh-huh.
2: because in the gig economy, clients your clients and customers are, you know, scattered abroad. I mean, your client is actually in the United States of America. Yeah. They have never met with you in person before. So their first encounter with you, you know, to judge whether you can do what you claim you know how to do. It's going to be your portfolio. Yeah. So the first thing a client will ask you when you reach out to them and say, oh, I can do X, Y, Z for you is send me your portfolio link. They want to go check your work and see if you are the right person
1: for mm-hmm. what they
2: actually need. Yep. So the you need a portfolio. Then the third one will now be a platform vis-a-vis marketing. I mean, side by side, you know. Mm-hmm. So the next thing is to actually, now that you have a skill, now that you have a portfolio, you need to connect with the clients that will use your service and pay you for it. Yeah. Okay. So that's where marketing comes in. And of course, that's where platforms come in. You know, platforms like Upwork, LinkedIn and the likes. Yeah. So the Very first place to start if you want to leverage is to ask yourself what skill set do you have? What skills Mm -hmm. do you have? What experience do you have that the world has a need of? You know, you this will actually take some research to see okay, what can I do? Can I write? Can I design graphics? Mm -hmm. Can I design websites? What exactly can I do? Can I do copywriting or translation? So find out what skill you currently possess that the world is in need of, that there is a demand for. So the chances are that you may find out that you do not have, because, you know, in my academy, one of the things we do with the students is that we show them, there are two criteria that I tell people to actually look out for when you want to pick a skill to sell. The first one is high paying skills. Mm
1: -hmm. So there
2: are skills that would pay you less and there are skills that will pay you more. For example i wrote a post on facebook recently where i was talking about a carpenter that worked for me for close to an hour and when the job was done i asked about much he was going to collect and he said 700 naira i mean yeah. that's in the the nigerian currency if that was actually to be converted to dollar it's going to be probably one dollar and 20 to 30 cents and i'm like i was shocked because i was expecting him to charge me more than that
1: mm-hmm.
2: but based on the value of the kind of skill he has that's like a fair amount so what i did was i paid him double for the charge but even at even paying him double that's going to be say around three dollars one thousand five hundred so that's an example of a low paying skill and that's even not a digital skill anyway i just have to bring that in Mm
1: -hmm. but there
2: are skills for example the first gig that I did as a freelance writer was $15 per hour. So can you see the difference? Yeah. $1.20, $15 per hour. And, you know, I haven't grown in the industry, the least I charge now for an hour is actually $35. Mm-hmm. So there are jobs that you do that pay you less and there are jobs that you do that pay you more. So that's the first criteria. You need to go for the high paying ones. The second criteria is you need to go for in-demand skills. Because what is the essence if you have a skill that nobody no needs? Yeah. So you also need to go where there are a lot of clients, where there, where there is a huge market size. You know, that actually guarantees you that you are likely going to get a job very soon. So those are the two you know, criteria to actually look out for. So I'm saying you might evaluate yourself and discover that you do not have any of the skills that, you know, fall into the category of high-paying skills, in-demand skills. You know, you might have some other skills that the market does not want. Mm -hmm. So not to worry. What you now need to do is to go after the skills that you feel you are best suited for. So you go through the list of high-paying and in-demand skills and look at which of them can you learn, you know, and then make a practice of. So that that can then be social media management or something. And that is where you now do exactly what I did in 2019. I was a JJC when it comes to data marketing. I did not know what was called SEO of you know on-page SEO, on-site SEO, off-site SEO, whatever it is. I didn't know jack about all of those things. So and I wanted to go into the space. So I began by taking the matter of I didn't have advice people want to learn skills. start with the free courses. They will give you some foundational knowledge of the you know industry three things just a just a recap three things that are very important when you want to you know succeed in the gig economy the first one is skill second one yeah. the portfolio the third one platforms you know where you can actually market and connect with clients you know the first thing to do is to actually identify the skill that you want to sell in the gig economy and if you do not have any skill the next thing to do is to learn a skill and you know yeah. over one month two months or thereabouts you you may not have become perfect, of course. There's even nothing like perfection. You always yeah, need to sure. grow, but at least have some grasp of the skill, and you might be able to deliver some service at that point, you know, maybe after one month or two months, and then you can build up on that and you know improve your expertise over
1: the
0: years. Mm.
1: Does very that answer the question?
0: It does perfectly. In fact, you went over and beyond <laughs> in answering <Australia. laughs> it. Now, something very striking um from not striking though but something that I really want you to touch on is in having a skill. Now some people will say okay but then I have this skill and I have that skill. So I wanted to talk on um, the point of niching or specialization when it comes to the gig economy. Because some may say okay I have different skills so do I go all out with all of my skills or how do I do it? Since It's having a skill, you know, building solid portfolios and all of that. What of me that has maybe three high paying skills or maybe one or two? What is the place of niching or specialization when it comes to the gig economy?
2: All right. You know, that's um, that's quite debatable. You know, different schools of thought, you know, have different opinion about it. But if you ask me from my experience, okay, when I wanted to start out as a freelancer, I, even now, the crazy part is I go for new and complementary skills almost all the time. So, you know, for example, this year, I've taken a certificate course in technical writing because I never used to do technical writing. I just wanted to, you know, explore. And I'm also currently on the cybersecurity program, you know, with Cisco, you know, so, when I wanted to start out, what the first thing I did was I listed all the skills that I had. And I had close to 10 high-paying skills, you know, even till now. I mean, public speaking is actually a high-paying skill. True. Writing is a high-paying skill. True. I could actually, I had a certificate in management consulting. You know, I had several kinds of skills all stacked up. One of the things we do with our students also, if we tell them to list all the skills they have and then rate themselves. From 1 to 10, which of the skills they are, you know, very good at, Mm -hmm. with 10 being the highest. So, the top three, then we then ask you to pick one out of the three. I belong to the school of thoughts that actually subscribe to. It is better to be a specialist at one thing Mm
1: -hmm. than to be
2: a generalist at everything.
1: Mm -hmm. All
2: right. And we also, I also advise that when you are starting out, it's actually better to niche down, face one thing. You know develop expertise and build authority on it. then when you start growing you can then decide to do two three four things you know hmm. and also when you're starting out it's also advice you know i mean niching down does not mean you are still not good at every other thing it does not yes. also mean that you cannot do a lot of other things you know side by side but when it comes to branding for example when it comes to positioning yourself on the internet space say on linkedin for example it actually makes more sense when you identify yourself as one thing, not as, you know, two, three or four things. It becomes very difficult for you to communicate the value that you can offer, except if the two or three things are complementary skills
1: uh-huh. that work.
2: For so example, if you're a web designer and a graphic designer, I mean, you can combine the two together. Yeah. They work together. Uh-huh. I mean, but let's say you are a, what example can we use now of two skills that are you know in different worlds i mean i'm just simply saying if i thought you're going to push yourself for two three skills make sure they are complementary but if the skills are not complementary then do your best to actually stick with one then over the years you can actually branch out into several others so i'm going to ask you let's okay. say a random person has an eye problem and mm-hmm. wants to see a doctor so there is a doctor who is a generalist doctor can attend to eyes you know and every several other things based on experience which is not Impossible, And yep. there's also a doctor who is an optometrist who actually is a specialist when it comes to the eye. Who would you approach? I will approach the specialist doctor. You I would
1: do same, that's just <laughs> I will doctor, do that's same. The point. Yeah,
2: so I will approach the specialist doctor rather than go to a generalist. In most cases, you would also know that if you go to some generalist hospitals and then you complain of a particular ailment. Oftentimes, some of the doctors will refer you to a specialist. Yeah. All right. So, when it comes to Upwork, for example, some of these platforms also do not allow you to actually say you're doing three or four things. Mm -hmm. Upwork, for example, if you really want to, you know, grow on Upwork, you must niche down. You need to niche down. Mm -hmm. You need to identify. As a matter of fact, when you're registering an Upwork account, there is the big the the wide category then there's the subcategory you know so they expect you to niche down and narrow it down to the tiniest like there and it actually makes a lot of sense you know when you become a specialist in a thing that when you actually just want to be a generous at you know the fear is often that um am i going to have enough clients will i make enough money or sometimes yeah. it's just the fact that you're just passionate about all the skills and you feel like no i don't want the skill to be relegated to the background yeah. <laughs> well and well Evaluate yourself. Which of the skills are you so good at? Is the skill in demand? I always advise, start with one skill. So when I started my business in 2020, very interesting. I registered my business with a CST as um, a business support service. And we're rendering six services.
1: Hmm. Graphics
2: design, web design, content development, um, email marketing, social media management, and social media advertising. I actually had all the skills. I can mm-hmm. run Facebook. I don't. I don't pay anybody to run Facebook at. I run them myself. Email marketing automation. I am good at it. So I began to render all the services. But ultimately, so this is me actually saying something contrary to what I am. Say, I am saying now. Yeah. I advise you start as a specialist, niche down. But I started as a generalist and then niche down one year into the business. And why did I niche down? I niche down because. We started rendering six services. I discovered that much of the clientele was actually you know coming from content development. So ultimately,
1: Mm. why don't you (laughs) (laughs) skills,
2: and I focused on content development? Uh You know, so and I have actually built myself around that over the years. So basically, but if you ask me, I mean, for where I stand now, four four years after I began in the freelancing industry, I'll tell you to finish that. Wow,
0: okay, one question that is always on the lips of everyone in this space is how do I get, how do I attract clients? Or how do I stand out from the competition? Because it's wanting to have a skill, but it's, then it's another thing to have people want those skills or people demand the skills that you have. So um, for people in the gig economy or for people wanting to get into this economy or into this space, what would be your advice on how to attract clients or how to stand out from every other person from the competition?
2: All right, man, it's a lot, it's a lot. All right, <laughs> you know, this aspect of freelancing in my training, we actually devote about three modules to it, and that should mm-hmm. be around four to six hours of content to teach it. You know, so well, I'm going to summarize it, and I'm even going to use a very, you know, relatable example. So what we're looking at is how to attract customers, okay? Yeah. So you as a lady now, there are things you like in a, in the opposite sex, I mean in a guy True. that will, that you find attractive in a guy.
1: Mm-hmm. As
2: for several, for some ladies it is oh, he must wear, you know, some nice cologne, you know, he must smell nice, he mm-hmm. must look neat and that, then you know, some people like facial hair, you know, long beards and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, there's a guy that would pass you right now. Let's say you're going out. A guy walks past you and you don't notice him.
0: Mm-hmm. True.
2: There's another guy that walks past you and you stop.
0: A head stop. You know, even though you,
2: do, <laughs> you don't stop physically, somewhere in your mind you stop Yeah. and be like, wow. You know, it could be the smell. It could be the look. It could just be something about him that attracts you to him. So, when it comes to marketing yourself as a freelancer, there are different sides to it. So... I came from the angle of the lady to talk about inbound marketing. Inbound marketing is showing up in the Mm. spaces where your clientele, where your potential customers are and showing up hot. So showing up attractive. Yeah, let's use attractive. That sounds, you know, that sounds under (laughs) 18. So you need to show up attractive. That's where content comes in. All right. Say, for example, you are a graphic designer. One of the things you need to do is to showcase your work, you know, where your clients are likely going to be able to see your work. So, for example, go on LinkedIn, create a profile and then once in a while, post your designs, post content around graphic design post content that educates you know the people that you're trying to reach out to about what they should look for when they want to choose uh, a graphics designer or the processes that go into you know coming up with a very creative design something like that but just show up attractive Mm -hmm. such Mm -hmm. that the people who need your service will keep seeing your content and they're like wow this person you know looks like he knows what he's doing looks like an authority in this field we should employ this guy so some days ago chinelo one of my connections on linkedin posted that she recently hired a graphic designer for her company and the graphic designer did not send an application she literally begged the guy to please come and work for her company why because the guy shows up on linkedin almost every day posting content that you cannot just ignore this guy is good Hmm. so chidelo said wow I need this guy in my company. So she had to reach out to the guy and literally beg them. So this is a client begging you know, you to please come and oh my take God. my money. <laughs> so <laughs> come and take my money. That's inbound marketing. Yeah. When you show up attractive on the social media, on the internet, you know, with your content, with the things that you do. And that's why your work has to be solid. All right. You need to keep building yourself so that you can show up in a way that you can attract the right client. So there's inbound marketing then there is outbound marketing i'm just teaching traditional marketing that i learned in mass comm, but it's actually oh. relevant in the scope of what we're looking at
1: mm-hmm. outbound
2: marketing is now you're not waiting for clients to come and meet you you're going to meet the clients mm-hmm.
1: all
2: right and there are several ways this can happen whether it is you know offline or online for example on upwork upwork allows you to do outbound marketing so a client comes post a gig on upwork you're expected to check the work and see if it's something you can do, then send out a proposal to the client. Mm. So that is outbound marketing. You're reaching out to the person and saying, This is me and this is why you should hire me. That also works on LinkedIn. People post jobs on LinkedIn, hybrid jobs, on-site jobs, remote gigs. You know, as a freelancer, most likely you're going to tilt towards remote gigs. Reach out to the company, submit an application, send in your resume, send in your you know cover letter and show up to the person let them know that you like the job you want the job and this is why you think you are the best person for the job so still using our relationship example so a guy likes Ozioma again Ozyoma is the you know center of the attraction yeah mm-hmm. a guy likes Ozyoma and what does he have to do he needs to walk up to ozioma and tell Ozioma that I like you yep. and this and this is why I like you and this and this is why you should you know, say yes to me. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you, you know, th- this is this is now the technicalities that go into, you know, sending out such proposals. For example, if you really like Ozioma and you want to approach Oseoma, you should have done some background work,
1: you True. know,
2: to know who Ozioma is, you know. Yeah. How do you show up in a way that Oseoma is going to be swept off her feet? Or else you're going to show up and Oseoma is just going to be like, who are you? I better come on, get out. Yeah. <laughs> there are guys <laughs> that walk up to ladies and you don't just let them stop for two minutes and you'll be like, See, stop wasting your time but there are <laughs> some other guys that walk up to ladies and you just give them audience you know yeah. and then you explain numbers and then you want to talk to them again and then you want to talk to them again and the mm-hmm. rest is history you know <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so those are the technicalities or, or the cases that come into you know you know outreach is you need to you know do your homework send a very solid cover letter send a very you know send a resume that's tailored to the job so that the clients can really know that you are ready for the job. That's two. The third one would be, you can also get clients through networking. All right. So the first client that I got was actually somebody within my network. So when I said networking, I mean you could actually get somebody to work for within your network. You could also come from networking with other freelancers in your space. So when my business grew to a certain point, I began to get so much jobs. Of course, I started out as a company. So I began to get so much jobs that I began to hire freelancers. Mm
1: -hmm. And I tell you,
2: some of the people that worked for me in those days were people already in my network. People that I knew the quality of their work already Mm -hmm. because I could not... The quality that I would deliver to the clients, I could not hire somebody who would deliver less because it would bounce back on the company. So... I went out for the people in my network already whom I knew the quality of what they could give, you know? And so that's where networking comes in. These guys were just hanging around me. We just had a relationship, you know, and because they were in my network, you know, it just gave them, you know, the opportunity to be the first partakers of. So network with people in your space, I mean, in your niche, because sometimes these people might have too many jobs on their hand and... They would recommend you you know i mean they would say okay somebody reach out, reach out to them and say i, I want to i want you to help me do this job and they're like oh my hands are tied but i know somebody who is mm-hmm. equally as good as i am that you can actually talk to and then you get the job you know so I, I was explaining that with the fact that when i started my company and then we got to a point and we had so much jobs i had to outsource some of the jobs to the freelance writers in my network Right. people that I already knew. I knew the standard of the work they would deliver. They were the people that actually got the first vote to get the job. So networking is actually very important. And you know, the fourth one that I'm going to talk about, it's really not what many people talk about, but it worked for me. It worked for me sometimes this year. What, what happened last year was, I must have written at least a thousand articles. I mean, as of now, but because most of them were ghost written, my name do not appear on the articles. Yeah. So, Last year, I began to think of being more intentional about writing articles that carried my name, you know, so that I could have my name all over the internet. Yeah. So, I decided to volunteer for a company and, you know, be writing for them every week, free of charge. So, somewhere along the line, based on the quality of work that I sent in, they had paid clients that needed people to write for them. Mm. And guess who they thought about? They thought about me.
0: Yeah.
2: All right. So... I got to write a couple articles for them, and I got paid for it. All right. So sometimes volunteering can actually open up opportunities to, you know, you know, for you. It worked for me. I know it must have worked for several other people too. Yeah. But it's something that you can actually think of. But let me now rearrange. Let me rearrange the order. Mm-hmm. Starting up as a freelance and as a freelancer, I'm gonna advise you. Number one, take inbound marketing very serious take branding very serious yeah look for a social media platform where your potential clients are and begin to show up there you know as what you actually who you want people to actually know you you know, what you want people to know you for show up there consistently and make sure you you know you show up in style make sure you show up attract in an attractive manner then two take outreach very serious while you're doing you know while you're putting out content and you're waiting to attract clients ensure that you're also you also have a strategy in place where you're reaching out to clients. Put the mm-hmm. two to use. Because ultimately I got my first client from outreach. You know, so not from inbound marketing, from outbound marketing, reaching yeah. out to people and sending proposals and the likes. That was how I got my first, my second, my third client, you know, so it was afterwards, let's say a few, few months into you know down the lane or maybe one year or there about that my inbound, you know, my content creation and everything began to work for me all right so but i started out early enough i mean it takes some time for you to build authority for you to you know put yourself out there enough that people see you over and over again for who you really are so mm-hmm. that began to work for me down the line but before then i would gotten a couple clients from outbound marketing and somewhere in between then networking is working for me now somewhere in between volunteering then worked for me so, you know so but Start with inbound marketing. Take your brand serious. Put out content. There's no better way to show that you're an expert and an authority than to actually create content and yeah. to show up in an attractive manner. Then side by side, find a platform like Upwork, like LinkedIn, and have a target to send out proposals every day. So I'm going to share this before I wrap it up You know, on this. 2021, when I decided that I was not going to work for Nigerian clients again, you know, this part of there's also an, there's, there's a history to this, you know, but it's not for today. So, okay. after some clients, you know, made me see Shege in 2020,
1: <laughs> Shege, <Yeah.
2: laughs> Shege is Nigerian word for word. Now, do I translate Shege to English?
0: <laughs> hey, so, <good.
1: laughs>
2: after they showed me Shege, so I decided in 2021 that I was never going to work for a Nigerian or an African client again. So I decided I wanted to break into the American market.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And what did I do? Outreach. So everything I must have said on this program, there are things that are practice. So for outreach, I decided I was going to send at least three proposals out every day. Mm. So I programmed my day in such a way that I set alarm. Of course, because there's a time zone difference. So because I'm in Nigeria, I want to break into the American market. Some of the you know places in America, five hours difference, some six but at most, say eight, you know, depending depend on the time zone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but basically five hours is just fine. So I program my alarm for 2 p.m. I don't send out proposals until 2 p.m. downwards in Nigerian time because by then, it should be probably 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. or right 8 a.m. or thereabouts in America. So that mm-hmm. whoever is going to be in charge of the you know recruitment process will see my application just as it is coming in. If for instance you send the application 7 a.m. Nigerian time, most likely the person is still in bed, you know, sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so there's gonna be a whole lot of proposals or applications piled up, and yours may just be lost somewhere in their inbox. So I did that consistently every day. Sent out at least three proposals from four, on the 2nd of January. And then I got my first client February 20. That's like 50 days afterwards. But wow. I've sent out at least 100 proposals before I got my first client then came the second then came the third and the rest they say again history. is history So <laughs> yeah. some level of hard work to it and you must be ready to do the work if you're really going to succeed in this industry
0: yeah the competition is is crazy so if you're not ready steve
2: there are millions of freelancers all over the world
0: exactly so if you don't put in the work in nigeria again we say oh is your case
1: <laughs> so. yeah yeah. If you, I wish,
2: you can translate that to. Exactly. So if you can translate that to English. <laughs> okay, you're on your own. Yeah,
0: you're on your own exactly. <laughs> but thank you for that. Oh my God. Now, finances is, is always the point where we have to finally get to making the money, and then and all of that. So, what do I charge? is usually what anyone will ask So, how do i charge what do i charge you know i think you said you started with 15 dollars for i mean your initial gigs so how do i know what to charge for my first gig and all of that these are possibly the questions that new freelancers will want to know so as someone that has been in this space for a while what will you say to someone asking this Okay so how do I begin to chat what do I start first and all of that
2: Man that's a that's a tricky question to give a direct answer to but I would just like to say a lot of factors are going to be considered when you're just starting out as a freelancer for example take upwork for example when you start as a freelancer at upwork just generally let's even leave Up- upwork out of it As a a, a newbie, as a beginner, you can't charge what I am charging. For example, if you're a freelance, if the person is a freelance writer, I have four years experience under my belt in this game. I have, you know, some level of work on my portfolio. If you're just starting out, chances are that you don't have that much experience. Chances are that you don't have that much experience. You can't really prove, you know, you don't have a track record for what you can do. So you need to come down, you know, a little bit to be able to get your first client, your second client, and then build some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. So as you grow, you then begin to review your price. And I benchmark, oh, you know, after two years now, no, I can't take that. You know, so today, I remember, you know, a prospect sent me a mail, was it sometimes last year? You know, And I posted it in my Freelancing coaching group And one of the students was like Really? You're even turning down a job? Yes! <laughs> I've gotten to the level Where there are certain offers That I cannot take because It doesn't seem to me like a good use of my time So But at the start, I could not do that You know, when you're just starting out in this game And you have not made a dime in the business You can literally take on Any job, mm-hmm. you know yeah. So I was, I I used to say, I think I was lucky. I was lucky that my first gig was a $15 gig. You know, several people had it worse. It could be $5. If
1: you've
2: ever heard my friend's story before, Julius Amokon, a very pathetic story. His first gig, you know, as a freelancer, was a client that reached out to him on Upwork and was going to pay for a, for 50 800 word articles. 50 Hmm. 800 word articles. And the client said he was going to pay $1 per article. My God. $1 for a for 800-word article. But because he was just starting out, he felt like, well, let's do it. Let's just do it and put in all the energy. So he was going to write 800 words in 50 places wow. and he was going to collect $50. Bad as it was, my friend Julius Omokuno dedicated three to four days of sleepless nights and, you know, some hustle and toil. Wrote all the articles, send it to the client, and then the client says, not impressed. The work is not good.
0: My God, I will not pay you. My god. the client
2: did not accept the job sad part some days later julius visited the website of the clients only to find out all what the articles oh, were on the site
0: my god
2: all right so some people have it worse than i had you know i mean i got my first gig in this space 15 dollars per hour four hours mm-hmm. and i got my 16 some people get to do two dollars per hour, five dollars per hour. But I'm just saying, when you're starting out, you can't charge you can't charge premium.
1: Yeah. You're a
2: beginner, so you need to charge some prices that makes you that makes you be able to compete with people like me. For example, mm-hmm. a client comes on Upwork. I am charging thirty five dollars per hour, and you come and tell the client I can do a- exactly the same thing for ten dollars. The client's like, whoa. So if the client is convinced, or let's say sometimes they just say, okay, let me just give it a try. I mean, $10 is not too much to lose. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the chances are that you can get the job while the client can pass me over. Pass me over because it just looks like something that is, you know, a no-brainer. I mean, so you may need to charge less. Then as you grow, you're going to begin to review your price. So you need to do your research, know what is the standard price, you know in the industry, then look at somewhere where you can actually pitch your own tent mm-hmm. that would not, you will not be shooting yourself too much in the leg. And at the same time, you will also not be asking for too much for a beginner because it will scare away. I mean, why? If I charge $35 and you're just starting out and I charge $35 too, why will a client give you a job? It's <laughs> yeah. possible. They will give you a job based on my experience and what I can deliver.
1: True.
2: So, you know, one of the things you can use to attract them as a beginner is the lower price, you know? So mm-hmm. as you then build your portfolio, you can say, "Oh, I spent six months in this game. I have like 10, 20 jobs in my portfolio. I can never charge $5 again. Then you raise your price, raise it to mm-hmm. 10. Then from 10, raise it to 15, then 15 to 20. You keep growing and keep growing.
0: Mm. Keep growing and keep making the money. <laughs> I don't want to let you go. <laughs>
2: If you don't let me go, then you should actually begin to pay for this session. <laughs> actually oh. charge $40 per hour.
0: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> I'll send you my invoice.
0: Oh, wow. Please. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. One more question. I'll finally let you go. Just one more. <laughs> All right. All right. So, what are some of the misconceptions about the gig economy? You are in this space. There are some things that you hear about The place where you operate, and you're like, what? Where did you hear that from? You know. So, what are some of those misconceptions, and what would you say to someone who is skeptical about pursuing the gig work as a viable career option?
2: All right. So. I remember writing about this on my LinkedIn recently, too. Apparently, everything I've said on this on this podcast, I must have written about them at one point or the other. Wow. You know, so there are a lot of misconceptions. And just like I did in that article, I'm going to just mention two. The first one, a lot of people still think people like us will come online and say, oh, I've made X, Y, Z money on the Internet. Yeah. They feel like we're scammers. All right. Mm. So some people still find it too good to be true that uh-huh. people are really making money mm-hmm. on the internet
1: yeah
2: i know and sometimes i go as fast as, if you really doubt that i make money on the internet come into my dm and i will show you screenshots
1: uh-huh. and i
2: will show you bank statements you know <laughs> so that's the point it's a misconception that you know that people are really not making money on the internet the truth is of the matter that people are making money on the, the internet, internet. I am a living witness. I have friends that I know, you know. For example, Julius that I mentioned recently is a top-rated freelancer on Upwork. And even if you go check his profile on Upwork, of course, I I expect you to know that Upwork will not be lying about that. He has made at least $75,000 working on Upwork. All right. So, the false misconception is that this is scam. No, it's not. People are making money from their homes, Mm -hmm. remote jobs.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I quit my job in 2019 and up until 2023, four years later, I've never been in an office working a nine to five. All right. So people are making money. It's not a scam. You just need to be sure that you do not fall into the wrong hands. You know, people mm. are actually sw- you know swindle you of your money. So that's the first misconception. Because the second one that looks like it, it's the opposite of it, is that people think freelance work or remote work do nothing get rich I mean Mm. you just you know so I I get to train people all the time and I see people come into the you know the session sometimes thinking that oh once I just do this session for two weeks this training for two weeks like this bam I'll just begin to make dollars
0: (laughs) yes sir. (laughs) continue (laughs) cash out
1: (laughs) there is
2: no such thing as get rich do nothing it's actually scam you know anything that sounds like that it's not just that it is too good to be true, it is absolutely not true. There is no such thing. So there's gonna be some there's some level of hard work that you need to put into it. I mean, okay, imagine I, I said when I wanted to break into the American industry 2021, I, I you know, I have my alarm program for 2 p.m. Yeah. I dedicate 30 to 1 hour, sending out proposals at least three every day. Between then and February 20, when I got my first gig, that's 50 days and let's say let's remove the non-working days you know out of the equation we're gonna have like 14 days not working so we have about 36 working days times three proposal that's going to be about 108 proposals before i got my first gig mm-hmm. that's some dedication that's some yeah. hard work
1: yeah and then
2: there's the point where you need to refine your cover letter refine your resume you know you're sending a proposal a, you know a proposal for this job you can't send exactly the same proposal for the next job you need to tweak some things edit Mm -hmm. some things That's hard work. That's some commitment. And so it's this level of hard work that ultimately brought the first result and then the second and then the third. And, you know, so people just think this is something that you just start today or, you know, you you don't have to do anything and then you're just cashing out. It doesn't work like that. I mean, if anybody says to you that that's how they made money in the industry, they're like one person out of one million. It Uh doesn't work like that. There's some work to it.
0: Some work to it. Exactly. Oh, let's 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 say it's now for those at the back.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that the people at the back can yeah, hear
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. It's my pleasure. All right, guys. So this is why we call it a day for today. So I will call you away again next week with an amazing, amazing conversation. Again, discussing something. That will benefit you as always. My name is Ozioma Anyoji. And this is where we wrap it up. And return to the robots podcast. Have a beautiful week guys. Take care. Bye bye.